0: Congressman Mark Pocan is a Democrat from Wisconsin and joins us today on Too Close to Call. Congressman, thanks for coming on. Oh, Thank you. Glad to be here. Congress, it feels like nothing's really going, that nothing in the House that is passed by the new Republican majority has a real shot at the Senate, that it would take a Herculean... uh, event for something then to even move to President Biden to be signed is that a correct assessment and question B is that good for the country uh I'll take B no um
1: first uh you know clearly um you know this is a mess uh right now we saw that first week what normally is about a 40 minute process of electing the speaker it took the entire week 15 votes hours of being on the floor. And that's just foreshadowed, but we're going to see, um, you're not going to see a lot of legislation pass uh, because they can't with the, you know, very large Adams family-esque uh, Republican caucus that they huh. have. You got Morticia and Uncle Fester and Cousin It, you know, and it, it's probably even a little more diverse than that.
0: Who is Cousin uh, It in the Republican caucus? <laughs> no comment. No comment. Yeah. Figured. <laughs> Uh, It's an interesting group. It's
1: it's an interesting group. But because of that, they can't really uh, move anything, even their own agenda. They're really not moving like this week. The entire week is on H.R. One because they just can't do a lot. We're in I think they already threw one week back at us at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised. We have some other light lifting of weeks. But what they can do are investigations. So what you're seeing are a lot of investigations, most of them pretty ridiculous ones. Um, very little um, probably legislation that's going to become law. The the problem is what what happens then when you have to do the debt ceiling, something that you actually need adults to do. And I don't know if you're going to have enough adults that are able to get it done in the way it should be anyway. So like my guess is um, because of certain elements of their caucus, we're going to have to have a little shutdown at least because you know it's kind of like they came to congress and all they got was this lousy t-shirt you know, oh so you like, think we will have a shutdown i think that there's potential for i've been through these you know this is my 11th year, so i i remember some early on when i was here i wouldn't be surprised that there are some republicans who want to do the right thing certainly in the senate um less vocal in the house but i don't know if they can given their caucus dynamics without letting them first say they had a shutdown and then maybe bring them to do something that's that's right. But it's it's tricky because, uh, you know, there's not a lot of profiles and courage happening right now.
0: But is there a deal to be had to agree to some spending cuts on the Democratic side? I mean, it, it seems like that's what Republicans want. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of Democrats in, in Congress who talk about fiscal restraint. Is this an opportunity to, to make progress on that and give a little to, to win their votes to lift the death seal? The well, death and seal. that's
1: what they can do with the budget process we're in right now. I serve on appropriations, right? right. You can pass a budget which requires them to have a plan, which I don't think they can even have a plan given the dysfunction of their caucus, right? Um, but assuming they actually had a vision for what they want pass a budget out of the house, Senate will pass a budget and then make the compromises. And you could have, you know, reduce spending through that process, but you can't necessarily go back and change what we've already done, which is what they're trying to do. And as you know, know, I think many people know, the debt ceiling is one of the more ridiculous votes we do around here. You know, we've already committed to the spending. Yeah. Like whether or not you're going to mail a check for your obligation of your home loan or your car loan. So the fight itself is stupid, But it has an impact on the economy and on everyday people, what they're going to pay in interest rates and um, federal employees and veterans, whether they'll get their benefits,
0: social security payments going out and all the rest. How would you describe the economy right now? It seems complicated. It seems tenuous. We have bank failures. We have interest rates rising. Inflation seems stubborn, although it seems like it's peaked, but it's hanging around. How would you describe the economic picture for Americans today?
1: I mean, right now, I think the economy is still very robust. Um, and I say this as a small business owner also for 35 years. I've had a small business. My husband still runs the business. And um, it's a very resilient demand that's out there. And I had this conversation with Secretary Yellen actually in a committee just last week because I said I'm worried that we keep raising interest rates and the goal of that is to make more people unemployed, which I think is already a kind of a sad goal uh, as, as in what we're doing. But I think that demand is so resilient that you're not seeing the impact on demand and lowering that inflation as much when you would traditionally by raising interest rates because we just came out of a once-in-a-century pandemic. And I asked her this question. Um, right now in, in every single member's office, We are getting an unprecedented amount of cases around passports because for now, first time in three years through COVID, Mm. people are traveling. They're like, I'm I'm getting out of town. I'm taking that vacation no matter what. And you're not going to slow that down. And businesses, uh, which I'm a small business owner myself, you know, have felt the pain of COVID at various times. You had supply chain issues, which are largely resolved or, or at least significantly resolved. But if you didn't have a convention or a meeting or a run or whatever it was during COVID, you're going to have one now because there's a real pent up nature to want it. So I don't know if the traditional model of raising interest rates and then seeing that demand go down is necessarily out there. And that's my fear is that you can then all of a sudden raise just too much and wind up in a recession spot because of monetary policy that's designed for a normal economy Uh, of rising uh, interest rates and inflation, or I'm sorry, of of rising inflation, rather than this. I think this is a unique type of economy. And I wish that they would look at things like maybe temporary price controls. Um, I think that they should look at, there's some other measures that you could do that perhaps would be more targeted towards a very resilient demand.
0: So you think the Fed should pause their increase of interest rates right now for the foreseeable future? Yes. They were, they were mistaken just to have raised them again.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And the last time as well. And is this being s- saddled on President Biden that because this economy is complex and people feel, I mean, you, you called it robust, but I think there is uncertainty about Where we're heading. Could we dip into a recession? How high will interest rates rise? Is it a good time to buy a home? Why can't I get workers back? All these different questions. Yeah. Does that just sit at the foot of the president? Could that hamper him as he runs as he begins? It looks like running for reelection in a few months.
1: Yeah, I mean, unemployment is really low. We're doing a lot of things. Uh, The four major bills we passed last session, they're going to put money into the economy for a decade, which is good because we needed to rebuild infrastructure and -hmm. and do those sorts of things. But my fear is that the Fed's actions in particular could put us into a bad spot, into a recession. I mean, right now you already see it in housing costs are starting to really squeeze people, right? And there's Mm -hmm. some other areas because of interest rates. As a small business owner, you know, um, it affects us as small business owners from making new equipment purchases and you know, doing things that we need to continue to innovate for the businesses. And I'm afraid that those actions could have a negative impact that has nothing to do with any action of the White House. Um, but it's just it's a once in a century pandemic we're coming out of. The economy reopening is different than almost any time that any of us have been alive during. And I'm just watching this unbelievably resilient demand not going down for the reasons I just said. I just think that, um, you know, people haven't done things for three years. They're going to do them regardless. Uh, They have some money built up to do it. The the question is what negative comes out of those interest rates going up and up and up for those sectors of the economy.
0: And then at what point could that lead us into a recession? So how do Democrats work around this political cul-de-sac? It's of of economic and and messaging it to people because it doesn't look like there's going to be any more grand legislation, although correct me if I'm wrong, if you think there will be in the next year, it looks like Biden and you guys are going to have to run on what you did the previous Mm -hmm. two years and other Democrats I've talked to said they're going to spend most of their time the next year talking about implementing what was previously passed. But if interest rates continue to go up, but unemployment remains low And people just don't feel good about the economy, that maybe there's another bank failure. You know, how do you how do you message that what Democrats have accomplished was good for the economy and actually will get us out of this eventually? Sure.
1: But I agree with what some people have said, apparently, which is we're going to talk about those dollars that are going to be coming to the communities. The good news is unemployment is very low. That means people have a job. One of the most important things that anyone's going to look at as they're determining to vote for the most part, even though inflation is high, people's pay have gone up, even though adjusted for inflation, it's not as rosy a picture. People do know that they've gotten some increases during this period of time, whether or not they've caught up, you know, is probably part of the problem we're facing with inflation. But I I am a huge believer in that most decisions are made on kitchen table economics you know, whether or not you can afford your rent or mortgage, uh, afford groceries, do you have health insurance for your family? Can you take a family vacation and can you have that little family luxury? Like when I grew up, was it a camper, a, a boat, a snowmobile, depending where you live? Right? That's the, yeah. the most people are looking at. And if those things are good, I think that's a good thing for Joe Biden and Democrats. I think on top of it is the Republican Party right now is at a point I can't remember in my adult life seeing where Um, the cultness of it has overtaken the ideology part of the Republican party. And uh, as long as Donald Trump continues to be Donald Trump and take this more extreme MAGA QAnon um, aspect of the Republican party, and he still controls the primaries uh, that makes it difficult, I think for Republicans, that's why I I don't think any big bills are going to happen. I think it's almost impossible to see that out of this Congress. Um, So we will talk about what we've done. We'll talk about what could be done if we had the right people in office. And as tight as the margins are in the both House and
0: Senate, that gives, I think, you know, room for us to try to pick up seats. Could the most substantial policy product of this Congress be a ban of TikTok? My God. Um (laughs) (laughs) It's wild to think about, but it seems like. There is some bipartisan consensus around this wild and crazy app that every teenager is on. The most pathetic
1: hearing I can remember, right, uh, and bipartisan, pathetic, although I do think the questions that were the most um, crazy came from Republicans. You know, is TikTok going on my Internet? Are you? <laughs> why do you isolation? say so why
0: do you say pathetic? People's- though? Because- because you, you thought it didn't it showed that Congress doesn't understand the technology. Yes. It, it showed that there are a bunch of old fogies up there that don't get the Internet and apps and social yeah. media. So uh,
1: the way I look at it is I, I, I am not for a TikTok ban, but I also am not pro TikTok. tock. Uh, you know, it's a it's a company. It's a social media platform to me. All social media platforms. Uh, we need to get a better handle on uh, our privacy of our data. They all take advantage of us, but we should watch out for consumers um, so that they're not pushing disinformation and doing other things that we need to avoid. That takes that that should be a bipartisan quest from at least some of what you hear. The problem is that means you got to take on US companies. You got to take on companies that have a lot of lobbyists in Washington. You got to take on some of the rich people that make that make donations to both parties. Uh, and it's just unlikely, less likely that's going to happen, I should say. The other problem is the Republican Party has made an issue du jour of making China the enemy, no matter what. Um, Right.
0: But uh, but aren't Democrats on that board of beating up China as well? uh, Honestly, I think
1: think it's kind of keeping up with the Joneses a little bit. They're afraid if they're not seen as being tough. And it was part of what I didn't like seeing in the hearing. I mean, you know, yes, this is a Chinese company the patheticness of people keep referring to someone who's from Singapore is Chinese, like all the stuff that was happening showed some of the xenophobia that was coming out of that hearing. But, you know, there, I think there should be, um, let's put up the firewalls that we want around data and have the data in the United States like they talked about doing, let's make sure it really happens so that there's that security. But honestly, if the, it really was a security threat, we have had absolutely zero security briefings, as you know, we often have in Congress. And they haven't done anything. And I think one state that was looking at this issue asked for evidence that the Chinese are doing anything with data, and they gave them no evidence. So for us to just automatically assume, part of that feeds into we need an enemy. And the problem is you can't make it Vladimir Putin right now in the Republican Party, because he's your autocrat to love, the the lovable autocrat. (laughs) And uh, so therefore, uh, all this rhetoric goes around China. And I think some too often, then we chase... That so, we're not seen as weak on whatever. I mean, I'm concerned about China in the sense that when we have things made there so cheaply because we have people who don't want to spend money on US workers, intellectual property can be stolen uh, and we don't have that protection. And if we really are concerned about TikTok and data, uh, we should be concerned about them making our iPhones and our computers and any cloud based services out of China. And there's a whole lot of things if we're going to have a consistent theory that we should be talking about but the number of people who have not used tiktok i even talked to a member who's do in. you for- use it i do, do you I- use it you I have watch no problem I watch with- people do magic tricks on it i watch yeah. the the wednesday dance so many times uh, <laughs> that I've, i kind of want to get a little sick it's been so many but it's entertainment like all social media there's good and bad with it but mm-hmm. we have to at least be reasonable our job is to protect the American people and consumers when it comes to, I think, the privacy and data. If there really was an issue with China,
0: we would protect based on that. There's no evidence of that. Um, but So you don't think they're, they're taking our data and using it that could compromise American security, given yeah. that this is a Chinese communist if, company? If
1: that was true, it would be malpractice by the intelligence community not to have brought us in with a briefing, right? Okay. So- you know, again, this is all speculation by people who don't understand technology and don't understand. And I even I, I started to say, I, I remember who's in his 30s. I was talking to and I won't say who. And uh, they're giving me this Chinese Communist Party line that, again, there's absolutely nothing, no, no real arrows pointing to. And I said, have you ever been on TikTok? They're like, oh, no you know at some point intellectual curiosity if you're about to ban an app that 150 million people are on we complain about people banning books we should be a little concerned about people who want to ban apps
0: one more tech question do you use chat gpt and do you think there should be any barriers around this new product that's rolling out that it seems like is going to be integrated in a most of our future
1: um likely tech in general we should be farther ahead than we are as a Congress. Um, My first time, actually, I sat down and had dinner with the chancellor at UW-Madison, and she showed it to me for the very first time. And we had it write a bio on me. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a bio on her. And uh, it grabbed some right things, and it grabbed some wrong things. And that's the first time I've actually seen it uh, in action. And I'm imagining, uh, knowing the college student I was, that Uh, A lot of people are running that as they're writing papers, at least to even give them an outline and then maybe, you know, do some work. But AI in general, you know, I think I'm more concerned not just in, you know, that aspect of it, but in every aspect of it, right? I think AI is something that, um, if I understand it right, we used to have some kind of division that dealt with technology that advised Congress that we get rid of. And I think that's a bad idea, especially given... Not to be ageist, but the average age of a member of Congress, right? We're not experts on technology. Therefore, we should have some people advising us on that.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit of politics before we wrap. Sure. How how confident are you in President Biden's reelection chances at this very early stage in 2023?
1: I think I just tweeted something today about how I'm looking forward to a very good 2024. I think I just saw a Fox News poll that had uh, Trump at 38% reelect. Like, if this is the path they're going to go down, and I know that, you know, there's a small DeSantis um, contingent and that political years are like dog years. There's a lot of time between now and uh, 2024. But right now, I mean, Trump doesn't seem to be losing that power among Republicans. First of all, I think Joe Biden has a lot to point to that he did. Those four bills that we got done, any one of them would have the biggest bill of any session I've been here in Congress, and we did four of them. So he's got you know a lot to point to. Um, and then again, conversely, I think Donald Trump has lost a lot of that independent support that he once had because he keeps going more into Marjorie Taylor Greene wing of the Republican Party rather than you know the Paul Ryan wing of the Republican Party.
0: It seems like Democrats want to run against Trump. You'd rather run against Trump again than DeSantis.
1: Yes, with an asterisk. My
0: asterisk is
1: um, that also can be dangerous, right? Like I, I have not supported efforts by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee uh-huh. to get involved in Republican primaries, right? I think that that's a mistake. And um, my my problem is is if something would happen, um, and and there's a chance Donald Trump could take over, I, th- I think it would be disastrous for this country. So um, yes, would he be easier to beat? Yes,
0: but there's a lot of other things that could come in play that I think aren't worth the risk. And would DeSantis, if he is able to claw away the nomination from Trump, does he pose a real threat to winning a general election because those Republicans that are maybe more conservative on cultural or fiscal issues say, "Okay, we can we got rid of the drama. And, you know, DeSantis is pretty conservative, but he's a, a bit of a savvier maybe maybe savvier is not the right word but he would be a calmer not as chaotic nominee at least that is the perception now we'll see what a primary plays out but i guess my long question is yeah. is he a is he a tougher threat like is he gonna be tougher for joe biden to beat ron desantis uh,
1: in some ways yes right i mean there's a definite age contrast he can profile that where, where trump couldn't um but i think he's taken himself so far right and he's taking no stances that aren't not even center right, but right within the Republican party that makes him more extreme to those independent voters that already might've been a little nervous about Donald Trump. So I I don't think that he's like their, their silver bullet candidate, you know, that's going to be magical for the Republican party. Cause I do see those um, uh, hangups along the way. I just think once Donald Trump is out of the picture, maybe we can get back to normal, which is what I really, want more than anything. I mean, um, I'm a little spoiled here because I serve on appropriations. You serve with more traditional Republicans you can disagree with, but you get things done. And uh I I would love to get back to that place just because I think Donald Trump, everything is about hate and fear and 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 there's as real life ramifications that are really ugly for this country. And um but Donald but, but unfortunately Ron DeSantis is I think keeps going there in order to try to appeal to the base to try to beat trump and then the question is can he pivot back out of that again be tough
0: right i want to look in the rearview mirror just for a minute here in wisconsin yeah did democrats pick the wrong nominee for senate in 2022 against who looked to be a pretty vulnerable republican incumbent in ron johnson
1: no they ran the wrong post-primary campaign coming out of that primary. Um, so the primary, as you know, kind of fell apart. Everyone kept dropping out of the race. Right, That gave them time to have pivoted. And we should have been out there going after Ron Johnson because Ron Johnson has many extreme, scary positions. I mean, just the one that I can't believe wasn't used was the fact that he wanted to put Social Security on the chopping block every single year's discretionary spending, I think would have shown how extreme he is because I don't know of another Republican who would vocally say that. But for the first month going into September after the primary, it was still, you know, Mandela Barnes, who's a very smart guy and, and a friend, still making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, kind of introducing himself to folks. And um, they missed, I think, a, a time period of defining Ron Johnson when they are still trying to, I mean, 5.4 million people out of 5.7 can make um peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's not a unique qualifier to be in the US Senate. And I just think they they wasted a period of time to get out there and talk about Ron Johnson. And that more than anything,
0: um, I think hurt. So spent too much time on still building his bio coming out of the, the primary, which they did coalesce around. You almost
1: into the end of September before you really saw the more competitive
0: contrast. Campaign. Yeah. And
1: it was the wrong contrast. I mean, to me, Social Security was an issue that we should have used across the spectrum far more because the Republican Party truly does want to change Social Security, whether it be putting it on the chopping block every one year or five years like the Republican Study Committee or the fact they want to raise the retirement age. I mean, all this this white working class voter that they claim that they are going Republican uh, right now. If you tell a bunch of folks in the trades that they're going to have to retire at 70 instead of 67. Mm -hmm. Look, yes, we live longer, but you can't still lay brick in your mid-60s. You can't still do those physical jobs. And I think there was a real message, and there still is a message in in that uh, conversation. That's why you saw Republicans running from anything around Social Security or Medicare with Joe Biden at the State of the Union. Um, They know it's a loser, and uh, we should have really hung that on them.
0: So the lesson is begin the contrast earlier. The lesson for the next big Senate race in Wisconsin is define the Republican earlier and go in on Social Security, go in on in, in, their, their proposed changes to the entitlement system.
1: And whatever is unique about that Republican candidate. I mean, for Ron Johnson, that was especially unique. But that's what Tammy Baldwin did when Tommy Thompson you know, won his primary. Mm-hmm. Tommy is actually someone I like in the Republican Party. He's, he's a traditional Republican um, but when he came out, she got out there and defined him. He's not for you anymore. And he had to wear that going into the November election.
0: And that's how she beat him. But Congressman Mark Pocan, thank you very much for coming on too close to call. I like this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And uh, love talking about Wisconsin. I love talking about anything here in Washington, too. So
0: Yeah, I appreciate taking the time, sir. Thank you.
1: Yep. Thank you.